listening to Adjective New Music's podcast, Lexical Tones. I'm your host, Rob McClure. Distorted Groove, genre-inclusive, co-composed with performer. The music of Jose Martinez incorporates a wide range of influences from folk tunes to European spectralism, while borrowing from Latin music, heavy metal, and progressive rock. His works range from solo pieces with electronics, orchestral works, chamber ensembles, electroacoustic pieces, and collaborations with dancers. Once active as a classical percussionist and as a heavy metal drummer, he has been slowly switching his career to become a composer more interested in the interaction between computers and performers. Originally from Cali, Colombia, he is currently a DMA student at UT Austin. So, man, good to see you again. Yeah, man, thank you for this. Pretty awesome. Yeah. Uh, I want to start off with uh, your piece called Danzas Torridas. And uh, this is for uh, Sinfonietta. And uh, you wrote this for Alarm Will Sound. Yes. That, That's pretty that was, awesome. It is pretty awesome. It's one of the things that you pretty much can write whatever you want. And you know those guys are going to play it right. And it, it, can, it, it could give them like some kind of like struggle but you know they're going to get it right and that's yeah. that's how it sounds i think i think it, it was i was telling someone i, I was talking to Ian Dickey because i met Ian Dickey that week mm-hmm. in, in missouri mm-hmm. and i told him that this is an exper- that, that piece was an experiment and i don't know if if i think it was risky to have this experiment with alarmable sound but at the same time it was appropriate because they're going to do it right so yeah. And I, there, there are things that I did in that piece that I will never do again, and there are things that I'm repeating because right. of that experience. So it it's a it was an experiment, and I I like that like that that idea of you know let's see what happens, let's see how it goes. Yeah. So on your website, you wrote some about this uh, about how the piece came along, or what your initial mm-hmm. ideas were, and you said that you wanted to do something with salsa as it is kind of a central feature of where you were from in Colombia, but it's also, you know, one of the most popular genres of Latin music. So just for, just to lay down some base knowledge first, what are the character, what, what are some characteristic aspects of salsa? Well, I guess first we have to start with instrumentation. And so you can start thinking about instrumentation the same way you think about a like a jazz combo or maybe mm-hmm. like a jazz big band. You have the rhythm section, right? And then you have the the brass. And then you might have a singer or two or, or maybe like the the backing vocals. Mm-hmm. So it's the same the same kind of uh, yep. subdivision. In the rhythm section, then this is one difference. In the reception you usually have a drum set, uh a bass and a piano in a in a jazz combo or big band. So we have in salsa. We would have a bass, a piano, and then we might have three percussionists. Right, and that's when it gets complicated because you have to kind of tie three people playing the groove. Mm-hmm. So that's the instrumentation, and then in the brass, you might have combinations of. You, know, you you may see even four trumpets, or you can see one trumpet, saxophone, and trombone, or two trumpets, saxophone, and usually uh, alto, and then uh, trombone. And uh, and then you have uh, the vocals. It can be one person singing, two person singing, or two people singing, or maybe you know, like usually have like three vocals, and then one of them is a soloist, and then the other ones are doing backing mm-hmm. vocals. 
Um, I think I missed. No, that's it. So that that's instrumentation. So it's pretty similar to to jazz or, or genres like that. Uh, but then the the there is this syncopation that is always present. Right. And the only way to catch a syncopation is when you have something to compare it to, and then there's so the rhythm section is always going and going and going, and then the syncopation is always like. It's always in the air, in the air. You have like the second and the fourth, sixteenth uh, note, and then always, and not only once or twice. It's always, always, always. So that, that syncopation mm-hmm. is, is I would say, it's uh, efficient when you have something stable to compare it to. Right. And, which also applies to jazz. I, I don't think there's there's a lot of difference within that. Yeah, that's true. Uh, there's a lo- also improvisation sometimes. Uh, there's vocal improvisation, but then this vocal improvisation has also uh, lyrics improvisation. So you have to improvise the lyrics and they, oh, they call it pre- pregón. And then, so in, in jazz, you have the this, this, this scat syncing. We don't do that in salsa. Uh, it's, it's, it's on the country, you have to improvise text and you talk about, you know, you're talking to the people who are dancing and you're talking to, uh, you're talking about a situation, the country you're talking about, you know, maybe extending the lyrics of the, of the song. Mm-hmm. So you kind of go along and just say something and say something. And that that is complicated, but well, that I mean yeah. that sounds a lot like you know uh, freestyle in hip hop. Yeah, it, it is. Yeah, it is, and so I, and I say I say we because I have a salsa band that I started here in Austin, and I'm I'm the singer of a salsa band. Oh man, <laughs> okay. and it's very very challenging because I mean I'll do it in Spanish. I would love to do it in English, but it's it's a bit too much for me. Yeah. So, uh, oh, the, so the vocal aspect is not in the in the in the piece that I that I did from Armul Sound, but mm-hmm. the syncopation aspect it's always present and always this kind of like, mm, uh, I say like a group writing for the brass. There's like the brass treating the brass as a, as an entity. Mm-hmm. I think I have three or four of them just together harmonized, just parallel. Not not parallel, but yeah, yeah, it's parallel. But they go together, move along, and they create that block of music against the ongoing rhythm section. And then I think in in some parts of the piece, you also do that with the woodwinds. The woodwinds kind of exist as an entity that kind of moves together and has the. I mean, there there are a lot of you know uh, unison rhythms in this. I think which is very smart because it's. They're all syncopated. <laughs> yeah. So with the woodwinds in 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 the salsa in the salsa group, we don't have woodwinds. There's this, sure. There's no space. Well, we have sometimes we have saxophone, but not the other ones. So that was one of the things. Okay, I know what to do with the rhythm section. I know what to do with the piano, with the bass. I know what to do with the brass. What do I do with the with the woodwinds? So my idea was I'm gonna do the same thing that I would do with the with the brass, which is going with them in parallel and as a group, as an entity. And then that was one thing that that I that was I was saying before things that I learned is that when you have that syncopated rhythms, you just put it for several people and then one of them is get it right. And then the other ones are gonna go alone. And then eventually it's gonna happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you spread it out all over even spread over families, you like flute and trumpet and xylophone, it could work, but it's gonna take longer and you might not have that time. Yeah. Mm. So there there was uh, definitely an aspect of orchestration coming into this that is more i mean i think it i think it's very practical i also think it's you know about power like this piece has some power behind it yeah, especially I, especially when you get towards the end when you, when yeah. you really get going 
Oh, okay. That the power is the power of entities that are tied together and they oppose each other. Mm-hmm. So is the rhythm section going and going and going with the piano and the and the percussion and the bass tight, which really comes from like jazz or popular music or salsa, whatever you want to call it. And then you have the brass tight and then the woodwinds tight. So those entities are tied and together and then you put them at the same time, even though they're very syncopated, they work. And it's entities. So it, it's a entities against each other, but also creating a a, a unity of groove so to say right 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 so which kind of um i know you you talked about syncopation but what are the other aspects that you were pulling from salsa and kind of shaping them into your own voice well the i had a part of the experimentation was what to do with the harmony because salsa is definitely it's, it's tonal so and i and my music is not tonal and i and i wasn't i, I wasn't interested in doing tonal uh, but also, I was I didn't want to do eight tonal salsa, like twelve tone salsa, like right, you know, yeah. spectral salsa. I I don't <laughs> I I have to confess I tried it, and I, yeah. I got my I got my my uh, collections and I did this and that, and I sounded pretty bad, because that aspect of the 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 tonal aspect of salsa is that of, you know, it's cyclical, and you have. It's one five five one or maybe one four five four one. So there's this, there's this uh, chord progression that is repeated and repeated, which also happens jazz. And then I wasn't having that. And even though I had a collections being repeated, this chord, this weird chord, this weird chord, this weird chord, the it didn't, it didn't, it sounded too uh, removed, far removed from actual salsa. So mm-hmm. what I, so what I did was trying to keep the the tonal aspect in the sense of one note uh, is was like uh, it's kind of like like tonic and then another one is the dominant and then mm-hmm. back back and forth but then every time i i went back to the tonic or, or the dominant the chord was different or the the chord had something more colorful but there's always the same so you had this same, root root motion yeah the going. root the, yeah the root root uh Dominant, road dominant, and that I that repetition of those uh, those weird weird uh, chords on top of that repetition that you can you can tell it's, it's DNA 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 that helped to create a more salsa like sort of a feeling. And in the piano part, it's, it's yeah, it's that's too. that's the thing that when when I heard the piece, the the piano writing was really what I connected most with uh with what i have heard from salsa in the past is it is it really it's just that like octaves and then you know some notes in between the octave like that's what i was hearing from it yeah that that's a they call it montuno uh i guess it's you have you have a constant stream of 16th notes Mm -hmm. but then some of them are tight so that's what gives syncopation Mm-hmm. And the 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 on the, the the thumb and the and the pinky they're playing octaves and then in between you play the rest of the chords. That is a really like it, it's a basic pattern for the pianist. Mm-hmm. And and then you kind of duplicate that on the left, and then you uh, have okay. that 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 groove going on. And you don't have to worry about playing the bass bass line because you have a bass to yeah. do that too. So those voicings, I, I I I'm not a pianist at all, but I. I took it, so I I, I watched uh, YouTube videos. I got a I, I got a video uh, a book 
by Rebecca Mauleon. It's called 101 Montunos. And she has another book about salsa history and piano in salsa. So I'm not a pianist, but I try to make it, I try to make it to replicate patterns that I knew they were going to work and then tweak my harmonies within those patterns. Right, right, right. I mean, you said you're not a pianist. You're you're trained as a percussionist. So I'm I'm kind of interested in the the percu- You have two percussionists in this group, and I'm kind of interested in the percussion writing. One is a one's a drum set player, and then one's just a straight up uh, uh, percussionist. So the, no, the other one also has congas. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Um. So what are are what you doing? What you are doing for those instruments is that you know completely well of course it's not completely but is that you know veering more on the traditional side or yeah yeah i i had to you know in that sense i needed something to to lay down so i i just wrote a they call it songo pattern in the for the drums which is like a deviation of salsa into jazz and it's, it's a long story about cuban music and all this stuff but it's a it's a it's a pattern that you know as a drummer it's a songo, it's like kind of like a salsa-like pattern, and they just like this is what I need. I need I need something stable and something that can be recognizable, mm-hmm. and then I can put all the other weird harmonies on top of that. But I need I need something. I I, I kind of like I'm 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 working on a piece also salsa-like, and if like if you can dance it, you might like it. That's kind of like so if it if it grooves, then it stays. So even right. though all these harmonies are on top of that, there's a four four going on and it's a groove going on. You know, people can catch to it, and then all those syncopations are easy to to play and easy to catch, easy to enjoy. Mm-hmm. I mean, the w- the way you describe it is exactly like how you were talking about syncopation earlier. Syncop- the only way you can catch syncopation is if you have something steady to lock onto. Yeah. So r- removing that one step further. You know, you're taking salsa and kind of morphing it through this atonal lens. Well, the only reason you're going to catch it salsa is if you have something absolutely salsa yeah, to lock a, a into. Part, something like sounds like salsa. Otherwise, right. it's going to sound like a bunch of syncopation that is perhaps cool, but I don't. I can't dance to it, so it's not <laughs> right. salsa. It's just it's just yet another syncopated piece. Right, right. right. Mm. I want to read something you put about this piece on your website. Um, And he said, I do believe that it is absolutely necessary for every musician to be aware of what is going on with mainstream music because there is always a lot we can learn. Wasn't this what all the guys with white wigs did back then anyway? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) But also is what all the rest of the guys that got into academia and all the conservatory education forgot about in a way. Exactly. It, it It became this... This glass, uh, how to call this glass prison? Now this is it's our music, our music, our music, our music, and we forgot about the rest. And I mean, I don't want to be, I don't want to preach like now. Go to radio station and play. I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to be that. But there's, there's a lot of beauty in popular music. There's, mm-hmm. there's also a lot of ugliness that we as musicians, we educated ears, we can pull that away. But let's just grab to what we like, and and yes. Like a rondo, a, a alemand, all those uh, dances from the from Bach suites. They're, yeah, that's they're just dances. So what I do now is the the dances that I know 
and it's mostly salsa and maybe all the rhythms, Caribbean rhythms that I'm familiar with. Uh, right, right, uh, right. I don't know. I, I'm continuing the tradition. Ah, yeah, right. There it is. <laughs> uh, that, that I is just thought I just thought that was such a great sentiment because you know Bach, Vivaldi, Handel—they all have this reverence around them, you know. And but they were literally just writing popular dance music. So it's it's only so recently that so many musicians are only looking backwards instead of looking to the present and the recent past. And then, you know, like it's, I I really feel like it's only, I mean, really since the invention of music history, before we had music history, no one gave a shit about what they wrote, you know, even 15 years ago, they were like, what's new. So anyway, that's another discussion uh, for another time. Yeah. It's a long (laughs) discussion because you can have people saying, that the popular music evolved and it became this huge thing, this massive uh, industry, and it, it, it lost kind of like the sense of community, I would say, that it mm-hmm. had before. Mm-hmm. And then in that sense, I, I, I think folk music or traditional music is the one that we should look more into. Because mm-hmm. that still has this, that sense of, this is the music of this region, of these people, who are not musicians, they don't have education, they still play it and they still enjoy it and they, you know, they play at home. Instead of, I mean, yeah, the the industry aspect of it, I, I can see how some musicians will like it and will feel like, no, I don't I don't want to look into it. This is a this is just the product. I don't I don't I don't I don't have much to learn from it. And yeah, that's also another take. Yeah. You said that you had never done this was your f- kind of first piece that you had done that had a very overt latin influence on it i mean how how was that experience for you engaging with music that i'm assuming you'd heard your whole life but kind of i mean did you ever you said you're in a salsa band now were you when you lived in colombia did you did you play salsa at all no that that's that's a bit of a like a mind-opening experience that uh that i've been having here in the states and it's gonna sound a bit cliche, but it's totally, it totally is. It's, it's you know, this, this, this problem of identity mm-hmm. when you when you're in a country like this, because you meet people from all around the world, and you want to know about their cultures. So I found myself asking people from different countries, from China, from uh, my wife is Russian, so asking her about this and this and this and that about their cultures, and they will ask me about. Caribbean music and I had no I, I didn't know much I, I knew some but I didn't know much and 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 I say it's a bit of a cliche because you always say this melting pot of blah 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 that uh-huh. but in a way the only way to contribute is when you actually know where you come from and then you explain to people oh this is this is where I come from this is one of the this is one of the cultural aspects of where I come from Right. So that that made me. It, it was a bit of like a search. Okay, like okay, I what am I? Who am I? Why am I here? What are the music? What are the music that I like? So I that's that's why I was saying it's an experiment, and because I never had this before, I never played salsa in in in, in on the country when I was growing up as a teenager. I, I mean, I I'm, I was a heavy heavy metal fan. I still am. Right. But in a way, it was a way to reject 
all the popular music on salsa. So like, I mean, heavy. No one likes in my family heavy metal, so that's what I'm gonna like. I, mm-hmm. I can see that now. I I didn't see that before, and I also I was a heavy metal drummer for many years, and not anymore. I don't play anymore, but I still listen to heavy metal. And I love the music, but but in that time, it was a way to reject uh, the the mainstream culture, mm-hmm. and I was missing out because. There's a lot of beauty in the in this music. I think that phrase you read is is a bit of a like it's a it's it's a bit of myself. I guess looking down and saying, uh, "I screwed up. I was missing out, and I'm gonna I'm gonna look more into this music." I think that's, it's, that's it. It's interesting how, I mean, moving moving to a different country will, uh, so quickly show you where you came from with a very, very clear perspective. I mean, I know I had that when I was living in China and I looked back at the United States and be, just because I was, I was, you know, removed, all of a sudden, you know, I could see it more clearly, but also I could, you know, kind of, you, you know, you, 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 like you say, you have these conversations with people from all over the world, and they want to they want to know these things. They're like, "Oh shit, I don't know about my own country," <laughs> you know. Yeah, and also I have to say that I I can already hear Colombian composers saying, "Nah, that's that's bullshit." Uh, and I, I I get it because salsa music is it's a type of music with which I identify mm-hmm. I identify with, and they don't. And it's fine. It doesn't mean that because you're Colombian, you have to write salsa or folk. Right. Because you're American, you have to write jazz or you have to write hip hop. That it doesn't. It's not. It's just. It. It just happens that I identify with that music. I grew up with that music. I. I never studied the music itself, but I grew up with this music. I will go. I will get in the bus, the public transportation. There was salsa. My sisters, they, they, my sisters, they taught me how to dance salsa. In my family reunions, we will dance salsa. It. It wasn't. I wasn't forcing it, it's just it was there. At the same time, I grew up with listening to heavy metal, and yeah. that's also in my music. So uh it's just it it so happened that for me, salsa made it. You know, that that, mm-hmm. that was the thing. But I can see composers say, no, that that is not my music. They're Colombians as well, but they're not that's not my music, and I don't use it. I use something else. They feel more identify with x or y european current of music or american or whatever and that's amazing that's that's also great but i i i have i really want to see uh, hear what colombian composers would say about this piece i've heard a couple of friends maybe uh, commentaries from my friends and you know they're okay with it and i remember one of them wrote in the in the soundcloud like wow i didn't see this coming like yeah that I was, that was a bit of an idea, but we never we never had that conversation, like open conversation, to see what they think. And I know I I can see teachers, for example, that will say, "What what is this? Why are you doing that?" La 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 la. Like okay, okay. but <laughs> at least I'm making you uncomfortable. I, I'm I'm that's my case. Let's let's have the conversation. Let's let's yeah. talk about it. Yeah. yeah. I checked out the score on your website, and one of the sounds from this piece that I really really dug that I I don't think I've ever seen before. Um, was the combination of it's I think I can't remember exactly where it is in the in the piece, but people will hear it. Um, it's a combination of your you have two violins. They're up, you know, around the E5, G5, something like that, mm-hmm. but they're in double stops, staccato violins. 
and then strumming mm. high piano strings at the sa- same time, same rhythm. That's a mm. great sound, man. Yeah. Yeah. That was, um, I think that was during rehearsals. I, I had the idea of doing it with the nails and it didn't work or just doing one, one, uh, string. It didn't work. And then with the pianist, uh, well, I forgot his name. Uh, uh well the piano sound pianist he mentioned something and we just like kind of worked it out during rehearsal or maybe after rehearsal yeah it was after rehearsal and and yeah it's not it's not totally on me it's also on 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 him but that's awesome Mm. cool man well let's listen to it so this we're gonna hear alarm will sound and the piece is called danzas torridas
So let's talk about your next piece. This is uh, Burst for violin and live electronics, and this is brand new. Is this the last thing you wrote? Um, yeah, yeah. This this was written six months ago. I, I wrote something oh. else for. I suppose no. we are a a, a a a bit further into 2018, but you know, you see it, you see a piece with the oh, completed in 2018. Damn, that's new. Like, yeah. <laughs> no, I was written at towards the end of 17 and beginning of 18, but I, I did something else for Vibraphone and Live Electronics that I'm still working on. But yeah, most of my, I guess, my last four or five pieces are electronics. Okay, mm-hmm. so um, what kinds of things are you doing with the electronics in this piece? Okay, let's see. Uh, I I've been working on this patch like this, like my tool, and in this piece, the beginning, I'm using a frozen reverb, and then I'm doing a spectral processing that is going also to river and i'm also transposing the spectral processing so it's only not only the spectral process but it's like a an enhancement of that because mm-hmm. the, the beginning of the piece is the belling just plays these short notes and my idea was to in a way uh elongate those notes artificially and the the, the, the first resource was to have a river and then it's a gated river it's a gated river uh, so that's how I'm I'm elongating those. Then after that, there's more like rhythmic section. And in this section, I'm recording a little bit of the violin, and then creating a like a ostinato with that with a piece of violin that I recorded. So yeah, that se- that's that ostinato seemed like it yeah. was it had the same kind of timbral structure yeah. as the violin somehow. Yeah, it does. It does. So what I'm doing is I'm I'm recording a little bit of the violin. It's going into spectral again, and it's being time stretched. Yeah, it's a loop that's being time stretched, and then that loop that's being time stretched is fed into a beat slicer, and then it creates chunks, and that's oh, that's that's the rhythm. Okay. Mm-hmm. The the cool thing is that the so one thing about my electronic um, electroacoustic music is that. I've I've struggled with the I think we all do. Is is it gonna be live or is it gonna be fixed? Always. <laughs> and if it and if it's gonna be and if it's gonna be live, why? And if it's gonna be fixed, why? So right. my my constant answer for why it's gonna be live is it's gonna be a little bit unpredictable. So some parameters are randomized, so I'm not entirely sure about how it's gonna be. And I'm have to be okay with that. So when the when I say that the violin is being recorded, I record perhaps, I don't know, like four seconds of the violin. And then of those four seconds, I only choose one or two uh-huh. to go to all that process. And every time I record, I record a different spot, the violin, and I choose two different seconds. So it's never gonna be exactly the same. So when I when I had to create this 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 recording, I had to, you know. Decide for one of them, but I know that I was I was just making a decision, and that's that we play live is not gonna be the same, and I have to be okay with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, then it's the same. So we have uh, the violin is playing, and there's this answer of the electronics at the same. It's like this loop of the electronics, the same. This loop is 
from the recording of what the violin just played and it's selecting randomly a specific section of that. And it's never the same. So the answer is never the same. The answer can be... Also, the answer is being looped at a certain speed that it can be also different. So all these parameters are different. So in a way, the 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 piece is never the same and the performer is supposed to be surprised by the answer every time they play it because it's never the same because it's being looped always different uh, piece of, of, the, of the loop. I mean, you say the performer is supposed to be surprised by the by the answer is there room in the violin writing for them to like if they you know if they get a different answer they can go in a different way it's it's almost like not, a, did you, not in did this you ever case, have I, those yeah okay i, yeah. I know what you're talking about and in this case in this case that's as a step further yeah and and that um that is a piece that I'm I'm working on with Noah Evan that I'm working with oh, her. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. And in this piece she also records her improvisation and then those improvisations are being looped throughout the piece and at the very end of the piece she gets to play with those improvisations and then react to them. So now there's more interaction in 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 that other piece that and so in this violin piece it's just it was it was a way for me to justify why I wanted live electronics and right, the why right. the why is there is a loop I'm gonna select only that section of the loop so so there's a loop that comes from the violin section that can be yeah that can, can be a part of the violin section and then within that part I loop only a shorter section mm-hmm. so and it's never the same so um yeah um that that was that that's that's one of the and then I'm using a oh I I made this awesome. Well, I say awesome because I'm, because it took me a lot of time, I guess. <laughs> well, actually, one of my yeah. one of my questions was going to be like, tell me, you know, what what's your favorite thing that you programmed? You know, something that you're particularly proud of. So you got think, to it by uh, yourself. But. I think it's yeah, it's the multi tab delay. Oh, I just love it. <laughs> uh, I started with the uh, the multi tab in Logic. I think it's a good like a, a, to, to imitate it, mm-hmm. but then just like went away. It's a multi-tab delay that I that I programmed in Max, and it has eight tabs, and I can randomize absolutely everything, or I can synchronize. Uh, I can I can so, so, so I can randomize with a signal, or I can randomize with the beat. Um, another thing is graphics. So you see all these faders moving up and down, mm-hmm. right, left and right, and and that's what I use in the middle section. This uh, is a multi-tab yeah. delay. That that's I mean, what it, I was it, figuring. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. it's pretty obvious, and and I wasn't trying to hide that I was using multi tap. Like I'm using multi tap, and I'm gonna use it like I mean it. I'm gonna just go for it. Mm-hmm. And so you're also it within that you also have uh, pitch uh, pitch shifting. Are you doing anything with um, uh, like do you, do you do you have filters do you have like a cutoff frequency that you can control or anything like that in there i believe what i'm doing in the in the harmonization is that i have uh i have the harmony the the index of the trans the the how no, is it the index of the transposition Mm-hmm. It's a slightly moving left and right. So mm-hmm. if it's like if a four, if the perfect fourth, it's a slightly detuned. Okay, right, right, that, right. That's that's what I'm doing, and then I play a ton of reverb to get that lush sound. Ah, stuff. got it. 
Uh, I call it actually in my in my keys. I I I put uh, like a Debussy wannabe. <laughs> it sounds a bit like yeah. <laughs> it's like I was like, oh, it sounds like with Debussy. <laughs> I I guess I want to be like Debussy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good. Uh, one of your descriptors that you gave me um, was co-composed with the performer. Did that happen with this piece at all? In this case, it happened mostly for the violin part. I and I, and I I love that she was very active in the sense that uh, not not only not only I mean of course the first step is like I can't play this let's fix it that that's 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 the, just like let's make it playable but I I like that at some points she she said hey, what if we switch these two gestures that you have and so uh, uh, mainly at the beginning for example like I, I thought the beginning was actually different I I think I now have it's it's a it's a note and then there's a scratch mm-hmm. I had it backwards. And then she she told me like, hey, what if what if we do this backwards? Maybe I can start with more like more aggression if I start with the actual tone with the full sound. Like, okay, let's see, and it worked. And then there's some some points uh, in the in the fast section uh, when the there's the answer of the computer. She starts with a crescendo, that was her too. Mm-hmm. I I think I don't have that in the score. She's like, yeah, what I want like. Come like I want to join and then start playing from there. Like yeah, please do so. So I like that idea of the performer feeling that the piece is not done, but they can, they can actually contribute. And I think that comes from my performance experience. That I I always felt I was playing all these percussion pieces. And I always felt like I had to approach it, approach them with very you know delicate hands. Like I have to play exactly what is written with exact. Uh, dynamic levels i mean yeah i have to do that but it became like a like a mathematical uh, approach that it was mm-hmm. it was very i mean yeah and this music i was performing it was you know it was very mathematical it was it was serial or spectral and so everything was calculated and i i, I love that aspect but i always felt like there was also room for things feeling organic in this calculated space and that's when I okay, it's piano crescendo to mezzo forte. I just gonna crescendo all it towards the end. Maybe I'll see how it feels. Oh, I'm gonna play piano and then do crescendo before or or go to mezzo forte before. So I, as a performer, I took, I took some liberties that and I had issues with my professors for that because you know they wanted the, the calculated approach and I wasn't more on the let's see how it feels. I, I always approached the piece as an incomplete art as a. Uh, uh, as an incomplete piece of art, and then I was the performer who was able to complete it. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. So the performer that uh, you were working with, uh, her name is Sarah, Sarah Sasaki. Sarah Sasaki. Mm-hmm. Okay, and that's where that's who we're going to hear on the recording. Yes. So let's listen to it right now. We're going to hear Sarah Sasaki, and this is Burst.
now we're going to move on. We've been talking kind of about your background as a percussionist a lot. So we're going to move on to uh, your last piece. Uh, this is two questions about time. And this is for percussion quartet. I like what you, you know, you say for percussion quartet, a.k.a. a bunch of instruments. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of instruments. I it's a massive yeah, instrumentation yeah, i watched yeah. the video uh that's on your website i mean this is a empty out the cabinets instrumentation well but in the video there are more instruments that i use because they were playing more pieces right i i yeah. understood that they had a yeah. they had a full concert set up but still <laughs> <laughs> This is a 30 minutes to set up, 30 minutes to tear down. I mean, how does how does this instrumentation for you come about? You know, how do, as a composer, how do you keep all that in your head, all those options, all those permutations? Well, I'm like, a percussionist. I'm a percussionist, well, so Yeah, I'm, but I'm, Jose, that, so that's my territory. But so you're, am I. Oh, yeah, like, so you're a <laughs> <laughs> And I'm just looking at this and I'm like, "Good lord, you know, how I guess like when I've written percussion ensemble pieces in the past, I always start with the instrumentation. You know, I want to set that at the very, very beginning and say, okay, this is what I have to work with. And that's it. As a consequence, I think my percussion ensemble pieces, it's a very limited instrumentation because I, I have always had the idea that practicality is better you know for some for whatever reason but i guess if you have third coast percussion just contacting you and say hey we like you we want you to write for us go balls out man like that yeah so i went to their studio and it's it's a room i mean it's like paradise like heaven it's right a room full yeah. of drums it was like ah yeah i died and came here and this is heaven <laughs> this is it so it's like it was like, hey, what if we do this? Ah, oh, yeah, we have it here. Boop. Ah, what if we have a second conga? Yeah, it's right here. So, it was also a consequence of being there with them, yeah, and everything being so so just right there. Um, yeah, I uh, at some point I guess I have to revise it and make it more practical. Mm, uh, I, don't I don't know, know but but the way I started was, I wanted to have each one of them to have a. Key, like a tune instrument like, mm -hmm. so i have uh glockenspiel uh i think i also have not, not also glock but also don't you have crotalis yeah. Yeah, yeah i think it's crotalis instead yeah crotalis vibraphone marimba and the gongs yeah those are some massive yeah. uh massive gongs you have yeah. and these are i mean i i don't know if there's a proper word for i just always call them nipple gongs because yeah. That, yeah, yeah, okay. It's, I, I call them tuned gongs or tuned, tuned gongs. Tuned gongs. <laughs> to, to, to make them more, uh, yeah, so it's, uh, the gongs, uh, and all, but only use four. But they're huge. Right, 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 right. But the way they, the, I mean, the particular ones you chose, the way they combine with the marimba and the vibraphone, it just seemed like it, they, they are the things that create the atmosphere. Um, in a way, yes. You know, yeah. It and the the four pitches I use are are I don't remember. I think it's F, F B, F B E something else. And F, yeah. So I remember now. 
the, so the four pitches I use are E, F sharp, F, and B. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm almost certain. And that, that, that's the base for the whole harmony. Those are the four pitches that I use as, as a point of, you know, point of departure. So I was, so I, I was telling you, I, I was giving them, I was giving each one of them a instrument with the with pitches and then instruments without pitches. Mm-hmm. So once I had the, the pitches, I started to looking for, for un, untuned instruments. And then I also, so in the non-pitch instruments, I also gave them drums. So they have objects and drums and pitch instruments. So right. That, that's the way. Yeah. It works. Some of some of the objects I saw in there were uh, you had two blocks of styrofoam. Yeah. And then it looked like whiskey bottles, which uh, well, just glass bottles. Just glass bottles. But we, I we, I, I saw they say, were. We did not drink those bottles before. <laughs> <laughs> we should have, but we didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Were the were the were the tin cans yours or was that for another piece? Those were those were mine. Yeah. Three. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. So, I and I think those objects come from pieces that I play. The percussion is like I I play the third the third construction. Yeah. Exactly. And I, there was a piece by this composer Erin Gee that uh, from Illinois. That had all these objects and all these small things, just just to make sm- like small sounds that I really liked. That I played when I was in in Missouri, playing the music ensemble. I really liked those sp- specific sounds with specific objects. Um, uh, I, what else? Uh, uh, no, I think those are those are the the ones that I can easily mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Uh, mention. So, ba- basically, did I mean? Did you start off with that? I mean, the, this this big. You started off with, you know, I want everyone to have pitched instruments, non-pitched instruments, non-pitched instruments, and objects. Did you start off with with the full list, or did you did you start composing and say, oh, you know, you know, it would sound really good here, and then the list just kind of keeps expanding. Yeah, that's how it was. That's how it was. Yeah. And I could it could have been larger and bigger, but I I, I kept it. I kept it control. I. Not, not very well, but I. So like I, I wrote the first section. I actually the I I I think I I didn't mention this in the program or on the website, but the first movement the when I met with them for the first time it had electronics, and oh. it were it were tracks that were just like accompanying like playing with them, and then in the middle of the conversation with them they told me. They they were okay with that. They 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 have equipment to do it. That uh, they they do it. It's not a problem. But I don't know. Some one of them, I don't remember who, say, "What if you incorporate those sounds in our writing? What if like like a, a bit of like a challenge? Like how can we those sounds that you have in the in the track? Can we? How can we make those sounds? Mm-hmm. And and then trying to answer that question that that's gonna take us. To explore some sounds, some techniques, and some preparations, and and that's why the piece house has those those preparations. There, there's a bass drum that has some. Uh, it's a chain, like a, it has a, like a like a yeah, it has a chain or like oh maybe it's a, like a wooden pieces that they put there finally, and we prepare the vibraphone with uh, aluminum, and there is that stroke in the marimba and is playing with the marimba with the, the plastic brushes. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of sounds that were not part of the percussion, but were in the tape. And then we eventually moved them to like, to the, to the, to the writing. 
So there's a sound that I want to ask you about because I heard it and I was like, how in the hell is he doing that with a drum? And then I watched it and I was like, how in the hell is he doing that with a drum? <laughs> so around, you know, 3.30, uh, 3 minutes, 30 seconds into the piece or so, there's a tom that is being played by the first player and they have a tube that goes up to their mouth and the pitch goes up? Yes. What's happening? So this is a, it's a beautiful coincidence. Uh, so the way the this piece worked is that I met them three times. And it, it, by the way, it's an amazing program. Like composers should apply for this. They, choo- they, they choose mo- sometimes two or maybe one composer. Mm-hmm. They, and then they fly them over there and they just talk to them and play with them and like, you hang out with them and write music for them. It's 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 very unique. So the first time I I <clears throat> I went to to Chicago, there were they were rehearsing a, a piece by Glenn Kutchy. Mm-hmm. and then that piece was all about blowing into. It's not my invention. It it was Glenn Kutchy's thing, blowing. And then when you blow, the there's more pressure. Therefore, the pitch goes up. But you have to use uh, drums with two ski with two uh, heads, and right? And you can, yeah. I think you have to cover the other holes. I, they, uh-huh. I, so it's not on me; it's on them. I, eventually, if, if someone else is gonna play the piece, I have to ask them how they do it. But they, they, they've been doing this for a while because the the uh, Glenn Cutch's piece is like I don't know sixteen or twenty something uh, toms, and a lot of them have uh, have this this this. Uh, oh my god, that's yeah. so cool. It, that it's is amazing, so man. cool. But so, then the coincidence was that in my in my tape, I had a lot of gliss glissandis, mm-hmm. and then they say, "Yeah, I, I think maybe that was the thing that started the conversation." Like, "Hey, you know, we can do also the glissandi. Maybe you want to talk? Yeah, ask, you want to ask us to do these while you have also in the tapes?" Like, oh, and then eventually we moved to no, we don't want that on the tape. We want that on you guys in the part, just because you guys can do it. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's really cool. I immediately want to go try that. Yeah, <laughs> that's cool. that's so cool. Yeah. So the the we're only going to hear the first movement of this, and the first movement is called "Is This the End of the Line?" And just to remind, this is the whole piece is called Two Questions About Time." So this is your first question about time. Is the first movement? Is this the end of the line? So what does that mean, and how does that kind of affect the the piece? Yeah, um, the, the other movement is called "Are We Going in Circles?" Uh, so is this the end of the line? Um, the thing is that the piece starts with one pitch. I think it's an F, and then it starts to add more and more and more, and then goes to a more complex construction, of course, and then goes back to F. So in a way, it's a, it's a cycle. Mm-hmm. And then we, we, at the end, you pretty much could start the piece again, over again. Just so, so it, in a way, it was like, is this the end of the piece? Because we could just like start over again, and just keep going and going and going in this piece because of this harmonic structure. Mm-hmm. And but also the there's a line. So this structure is a line, but then it has interruptions to that process, and then those interruptions are are uh, mostly with the non-pitch instruments. 
Right. So that's 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 where I started. Okay, I, I'm gonna start with the with the pitch construction of the pitch, and then now I want to really interrupt this. I don't want pitch. I want anything but pitch. So okay, now now let's go back. Once I was done with that, let's go back to the construction. Okay, another interruption. I want again. I don't want pitch sounds. I want something else. So in a way, the inclusion of those non-pitch sounds has a structural function of interrupting the the harmonic evolution of the piece. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So uh, I think we're going to listen to it right now. And again, this is uh, two questions about time. Movement one, is this the end of the line? And we are hearing third coast percussion.
Last question. The question that I ask uh, all all the guests on the podcast is that: How did you 
come to music as something that you wanted to pursue for your life? Oh, man. <laughs> That's usually the response that it gets. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I started by wanting to be a, a drummer and like a, like a heavy metal drummer. I I loved all that music and I, you know, it was like teenager dream. This is my dream. I want to be a, a drummer. Uh, of course, my family did not like that. <laughs> and it was so rough that I actually went to college and I started uh, studying chemical engineering. I did that for two years. And then I tricked my mom and my family to let me start music in the same university in my hometown. And I guess the the reason they my mom said yes to this is because I I got I got, I got a scholarship. So mm-hmm. I pretty much told her mom, you don't have to pay for it. It's fine. I got it. You don't have to worry about it. You just do not have to pay for school. So, okay. Uh like this. <laughs> right. So so uh, I started you know, and then as I, you know, I started music in, in formally in a university and then I moved to the capital of the country in Bogota and then I went to the conservatory. And when I moved to Bogota, I still wanted to be a just like a drummer, not only heavy metal drummer, but like a jazz drummer. But I started taking percussion as, a, as an instrument and all the, and that, that's when phew, just blew my mind. You know, this is, this is a whole different universe. And I was playing all this contemporary music I was playing. I was playing uh, Philippe Hurel and I was playing Hense and I was playing Druckmann and all these modern guys that were actually still alive, some of them, instead of playing the old, the old uh, uh, white, uh, with white guys with the, with the wigs. With the wigs. I forgot that one. Yeah, with the wigs. So that was, a, that, that was the point, like, really, like, wow, this, this music is alive. And then because of that, I guess that was the motivation because of that. That idea of those guys are alive and they're writing this music, that made me approach compositions. Like, oh, these guys are right there writing music. Maybe I can also write music. That that is a that is a summary of how it went. Uh, yeah, it's just I wanted to be a drummer, and I still play drums, and I still like heavy metal, and I still headbang, and I go to concerts, and I enjoy. It. That's my that's my dark side. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but i still have a salsa band so i i don't see yeah. there's no darkness in salsa. you you're you're multi-sided <laughs> yeah and that, that was one of the things that i mentioned in in the description is that man i i like all these genres and i that actually played and i i can't help it but somehow put them in the music and i'm not trying to i guess it sounds it's eclectic but i'm trying to be honest because i like all those sounds like if you compare burst, that really intense rhythm, to salsa to dance story, that's you. It's hard to tell the same composer, but it is, and and I think I mean that's that's what I like. I, I like those genres, and I go for it. Yeah, but there, you know, I think in especially in in uh, the graduate programs, a lot of students are fed this idea that. Oh, you need to develop your voice. And by voice, it's often assumed or it's like blatantly taught to the students. Well, it has to be this thing. 
you know, that anyone can, I can listen to one of your pieces and identify, oh, that's, that's you. That's a Jose Martinez piece. But I tend to not agree with that. I don't, I don't necessarily think that voice is so important anymore. I think what you are getting at, uh, what you're striving for, honesty is way more important than some generic, you know, oh, it's my, I have to put on my new music voice now. But then you also get people who, for whom actually the new music sound, whatever it means, it actually works. And, and that's totally what they sound. And that's, and that's what, and they grew up, well, like not grew up, but they were, you know, they liked the music and, and that's also, that's also valid and that's their sound and it's awesome. It but I think well. I think like if you look at someone like, I mean maybe this is a bad example, but if you if you look at someone like Steve Reich, he has a voice, right? Yeah. He is every single piece of his you can tell. Oh, that's Steve Reich, you know. I think, you know, and I've never talked to the guy, but I think maybe to a you have. Yeah, I did. <laughs> That's cool. He's, he's pretty cool. He's pretty yeah? cool. <laughs> yeah. But I wonder he's, if it's to a detriment. You know, I wonder if he would be I wonder if he would be into doing something that's completely off the wall, but he's he's way too Steve Reich now. Like he's he's written himself into a corner, you know? Because of this this yeah. idea of voice instead of just like oh do, no. Do I, you think it's maybe generational? Like at that time maybe. you needed to have your voice, your own sound, but nowadays with all this you know, we're overwhelmed by music and media and all these things. Like we, in a way, we are reflecting the the surroundings. Like it's a lot of things going on, and then in what we do is a lot of things. Totally. As well. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. This, this is an interesting conversation. So, um, uh, before we go, can you tell can you tell everyone where they can find you online, where they can connect with you, where they can hear more of your music? Well, the easiest way is just to go to josemartinezcomposer.com and I have their links to audio and some scores. And if you want to just be in touch, there's a contact area at the, at, the, at the end of the website that you just write me and I'm pretty good at replying. Awesome, man. Thanks for doing this. Oh, thank you for doing it, man. It's awesome. Thanks for listening. As always, if you want to find out more about adjective new music or lexical tones, please go to our website, www.adjectivenewmusic.com.